On to happier times. Happier times, aka millennium. This is so much my jam. Like I said, I don't know where I got the millennium album. I do not know where it came from. It might have just dropped out of the earth. A cousin might have given it to me. Yeah. All I know is it's like if I had to be buried with an album, I'd put that in there. It was a moment. And, you know, we kind of talked about how there really wasn't like a moment, a big moment where it's like, oh, Backstreet Boys are like the new thing. It was more of a snowball effect. The Millennium album was their big moment. There was a lot of lead up to this album. There was a lot of people that were super excited about it. And it became one of the biggest selling albums of all time. It's a solid, great album. Overall, it's, it's just so much better than their debut album. So much more consistent in their sound. Nick is like marginally older and his voice is so you feel a little less like (laughs) icky his voice has also like matured a tiny bit Mm -hmm. where it's less obvious that he's a child he was 18 19 years old so it seemed a little bit more appropriate for him to be having some of these lyrics even though they they were honestly pretty tame but for a 15 year old it's not great 18 year old a little bit more acceptable (laughs) and i feel like this is one of those albums where you're like oh i had this song and that one and that one, oh my God, it's such a stacked album, yeah. in my opinion. Just like one of those that, you know, you didn't have to change the CD to get a good experience. There is one exception, and oh. it's I Need You Tonight. And I'm going to consistently <laughs> say this. <laughs> I mean, not every song was great, but like yeah. in the days before playlists, yeah. I feel like on a mix CD, I would have put at least half of the songs. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And Like I said before, this is just as much a Max Martin album as it is a Backstreet Boys album. Max Martin is on seven of the 12 songs. And another interesting fact about this album, Brian co-wrote four of the songs on this album. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Good for Brian. Yeah, seriously. He's not just looks, ladies. (laughs) He's more than that. (laughs) The interesting part of this album is that you know, we talked about how weird it was at the beginning with like the European releases and the U.S. releases. Millennium, one of the reasons why it was such a big moment was because it was the first album that they did that was released on the same day in the U.S. and in every other market. So that's why it was such a big moment. Larger Than Life. So it was written by Max Martin, Christian London, and Brian. He co-wrote that with, he actually wrote that first and then gave it to Max Martin and Max Martin hmm. worked his magic. I don't think he gets enough credit for Larger Than Life. Larger Than Life is one of the best pop songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And that was written by Brian Littrell. I don't, I don't think people realize that. Kudos to Brian. Up-tempo, funky rock song. Super fun. Like I said, I feel like Backstreet Boys' up-tempo songs are always just, they take it up every single notch. And they're just always so fun. And it actually, so we were talking about their music videos and how much money that they spent on it. Mm -hmm. This is the 14th most expensive music video of all time. $2.1 million. I remember this music video. It's the one with like the robot-y things. If you cue it up on Spotify, if you're watching on your phone, like it'll still play the clips from it kind of in the background. But I won't play it all that. Very like robotic-y. And like, I am not going to be able to imitate AJ's note in the beginning where he just like lets loose. It's just like almost like a scream, like a feral scream. And I love it. Love it. And I was, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but when he played this live, mm. he just nailed it. Nailed I thought it. that would be like a really hard thing to recreate. He was just like, no, I'm just going to feral scream and it's going to sound amazing. 
That that's what AJ does best, though. He Barrel has, scream. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just has that power to be mm-hmm. able to do that with his voice. <sighs> that AJ man. Oh God, we love AJ. <laughs> I want it that way. Such a good song. Yes, written, is, yeah, written and produced by Max Martin and Andreas Carlson. What hasn't been said about "I Want It That Way"? Honestly, like, there's been so much that has been said about this song, but it's Backstreet Boys's signature song. The way that it's constructed, it's the perfect boy band song. The harmonies, the melody, the modulation in the third verse, the lack of meaning behind the lyrics—these are all traits of a stereotypical boy band song. But it works, and it's perfect. And Enough said. <laughs> what, no notes. What way do they want it? Oh boy! <laughs> Someone tell me. Is what, this? what way? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Tell me what. Interesting thing that I found out about the song is that the beginning. You know how there's like the guitar at the beginning. That guitar piece was uh, inspired by "Nothing Else Matters" by Metallica. Oh, hmm. again, going back to Max Martin's metal roots. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Isn't this the song that also has like an alternative No More Lies? Yes. Which is also so good. It's really good. It doesn't, I feel like the lyrics of No More Lies, they don't flow as nicely. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to that philosophy of everything is there to service the melody. So Mm -hmm. the lyrics, even though they don't make sense, they're all basically supposed to just flow with the melody. Because I want it that way. And the alliteration of the Mm -hmm. W's, like it it just flows. Mm -hmm. When they changed up the lyrics to make it sound more sense. It didn't have that flow anymore. It, it made sense, but at what cost? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The new lyrics, it was actually written by Mutt Lang. And for those who don't know Mutt Lang, that's actually Shania Twain's ex-husband. That was her frequent collaborator. It, it, it just really goes to show that lyrics really don't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it really doesn't. And I think this song still has legs does. today. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we have any Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans. Oh my gosh, I love that scene. That cold <laughs> open where he's like yes. interrogating suspects and making them sing this song. And he's yeah. like, oh my God, chills. And then he's like, oh, I forgot why we were here. <laughs> like, it's just so funny. Yeah. Like, I will just now watch that cold open. <laughs> And I will just like watch that cold yeah. open for no reason. <laughs> That's such a sign of like an enduring song. You know, you've got this song that came out and 20 years later, people are still putting it into shows and everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. great song. Yeah. yeah. So I Want It That Way was the debut single off of this album. Larger Than Life was supposed to be initially and Backstreet Boys really pushed for I Want It That Way. And that was so smart of them to do because it became this iconic song Definitely the main reason why Millennium broke all of the records for weekly sales, daily sales, because of I Want It That Way. It just became a moment in pop culture. It became more than just a song. I'm just laughing at the note <laughs> with vague lyrical meaning. Doesn't need to make sense. Just needs to sound <laughs> right. good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, Baby One More Time makes no sense. Yeah. Huge hit. Yeah. It doesn't, pop music does not need to make sense. Boy band music does not need to make sense. That's not where you're Does it sound good? Does it make you feel good? If so, then it's served its purpose. Exactly. Also, the music video was filmed at Bradley International Airport in Connecticut, which is only two hours from here. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. In front of that private plane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the next song on the album is Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely. Another bop. Another bop another release single like it's just like a one two three punch on this album it's it's awesome it's a much more mature song much more mature in content and lyrics it really showcases all their vocals but kevin's vocals are really really nice in the song and it was the first song where people were like 
wow, Kevin actually can really sing. <laughs> and he has a he has a solo in I Want It That Way, but I feel like, and show me the meaning of being lonely. The notes are a little bit nicer. I love the video because it just kind of showcases a story about each one of them, especially with Brian having his open heart surgery during this time. Brian went through the ringer. He really has. The next is It's Gotta Be You, another Max Martin song. He collaborated with Mutt Lang on this one as well. He's written and produced songs for ACDC, Def Leppard, Britney Spears, Celine Dion, so many others. He's a music icon. It's a really catchy song. I'm going to say this is about every single Sharon studio song, though, on this album. And then we get to I Need You Tonight. <laughs> How do you feel about this song, Anna? <laughs> I'm not sure where you stand. <laughs> I'm so sorry, and I'm so sorry to the Nick Carter stands out there, but it, I, I've already talked about this song and how it's not a Backstreet Boys song. It's a Nick Carter song. Just that that's it. The notes say WTF. <laughs> Next to the song. Where is Brian? <laughs> Literally. No more notes are needed on this song. It, it just doesn't fit on the album, guys. It doesn't fit. I'm sorry. Anyways, the next song is I Don't Want You Back. Written and produced by Max Martin and also Rami. Adrian. I like this song. Love this, this was song. a cool song. Love this. I like song. the opening. Like don't don't, don't want, want you back. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> no good. It's so good. It's so catchy. I, I always wondered if this was a call out to Insync's "I Want You Back." Is there? What's the time frame like overlap? Um, Do you know? So I Want You Back was probably recorded in like ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, so it was a couple years later. Yeah, it was a couple years later. Yeah, the the yeah, and then this was probably recorded in ninety eight, released in ninety nine. Yeah. So, but I mean, those are both Max Martin songs. So there's definitely a Max Martin connection. He probably likes the the way that "Want You Back" flows within yeah. the song. Yeah. Max Martin loves W's, <laughs> so uh, that, that's probably all it is. But I, they probably also were like no, don't want you back. Yeah. (laughs) Like I always thought that that it was kind of like a fun connection. And then the next is Don't Want to Lose You Now, which is one of my personal favorites. Yeah, such a good song. It's a great song. Another Max Martin song also done with Rami. And AJ's vocals are so freaking good in the song. And when it's done live, it's perfection. Mm -hmm. When we saw him on the DNA tour, like that power note at the end was everything. So good. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. And the next is The One. This was written by Brian. Co-written by Brian with Max Martin. Another collab between the two. And also produced by Christian. The interesting thing about the song was, I don't know if you remember this, CC. There was a campaign on TRL for their fourth single. Do you remember yeah. this? And the fans got to pick it. Yeah, the fans got to pick yeah. it. And then the, what's funny was Don't Want You Back was leading the poll on that and then Nick Carter called in and Carson Daly asked him which song do you choose which song are you yeah. voting for and he said the one because Brian wrote that one Aww. yeah he said that yeah Aww. he said that and then after that happened the fans rallied yeah. and then picked this song so this ended up being the fourth single I love the one. Oh, it's a great it's song it's such a good song it's a great song I'll be the one I don't know the rest of the light <laughs> where you can run. Yeah, it's a great song. And I mean, all the Max Martin songs on this album are awesome. Next is Back to Your Heart. And this is a ballad. Brian and Kevin co-wrote this along with a couple others. This is a great song. The next is Spanish Eyes, written by Andrew Fromm, who also wrote I Need You Tonight. 
I feel like they messed up by putting like ballads back to back to back to back to yeah, like the close out the album. Yeah. yeah, it just feels a little like yeah, bleh. yeah. I mean, overall, Backstreet Boys are they lean more ballad heavy in terms of band, but it would have been nice to have had an upbeat or a mid tempo. But like, also, none there. of these four are like their iconic power ballads. They're mm-hmm. like. A fine. fine. Yeah, yeah, like they're fine. Yeah, I think, I mean, no one else comes close. The next song is a really lovely song. It was actually written by Joe, popular R&B artist at the time, worked with Sync as well. It's a really nice song, but I think it almost gets lost between all of the other ballads. The notes, it's a nice song. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 that's exactly what it is, a <laughs> yeah. nice song. Yeah. And then we have The Perfect Fan. And I love this song, this The Perfect Fan. It's a sweet fan. song. It's a really sweet song. Brian wrote this song about his mom. Yeah. Aww. This is so, a cute song. Um, and actually, this is a pretty popular song for mother-son wedding dance songs as well. The harmonies are fantastic. The chorus is is really nice in this song. It is it is a really nice last song on the album. But again, it kind of gets lost between all the other ballads that come before it. But it's a really sweet song. It's a standout for sure. And again, Brian... Doesn't get enough credit for his writing yeah. on this album. I didn't know that yeah. about this album. Yeah. Justice for Brian. <laughs> Seriously. I wasn't, I was thinking this was going to be more of like a justice for AJ and Kevin, but I mean, we got to give kudos <laughs> to Brian. We have to give Brian credit exactly. where credit is due. Exactly. Exactly. And now we are on to Black and Blue, Cece's favorite album of all time, right? That's it. Is this like of all the Backstreet Boys albums or like all of all time? It's definitely of all the Backstreet Boys albums for sure. Um, It's one or two of all of all time. The other one would be like a classic rock album. Okay, I love it. Very different types. But yeah, this this is why I'm here, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) this this is why. Yeah. So I think that this album has their best songs. Of all time. Not, maybe not of all time, but uh, of their best. A, I was going to say, that is a hot take. Well, the, so I think of this, so I think of their first three albums as their core three albums. And then everything else that came after is like after the core three. Of the core three albums, their first three albums, I think this is the best one. Yeah. It has their best quality songs. And I think that it's just much more cohesive than Millennium. Let's get into Black and Blue, why it's named Black and Blue. So, I did not know any of this stuff. I, I this didn't is either. interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, so the album title is a nod to their two musical sides, black as in their R&B inflections of their upbeat tracks and blue, their inclination towards mushy crooning. And it's also an interesting representation of their relationship with Lou Pearlman and his abuse and their the bruises from that abuse. A little dark. <laughs> But it's very yeah. interesting. So they made this album, the Black and Blue album, while they were on tour for Millennium. They were so burnt out after this album and this tour since everything was back to back with no breaks. So they did the Millennium tour, recorded this album while on Millennium, yes. and then went right into Black and Blue tour. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Exhausting. Exhausting. And I just can't help but think about One Direction doing this yeah. for five years. Yeah, five albums, five tours in five years. Yeah, and they were insanity. They recorded their albums while on tour, and Backstreet Boys did it for two years, and they were just like we're burnt out. And One Direction did it for five. So, <laughs> I mean, we talk about short shelf lives, but yeah, 
One Direction's management was like, we are making the most out yeah. of the shelf life. <laughs> yeah. But kind of like One Direction, I feel like Millennium and Black and Blue are very similar in sound. Like there really isn't much progression between the sounds because they were made so close together. But that doesn't mean, like I still personally believe that they made their best music on this album. It just, outside the call, I feel like a lot of the songs sound very similar to Millennium. The promotion for the album... So basically they traveled to like six continents in like six days or something oh or seven days. Like they, they did some crazy promotion for this album. There was a lot of lead up to it. This time period, because this came out in 2000, late 2000, it felt like a whiplash because Millennium did so well in 99. Then Instincts No Strings Attached comes out in early 2000. So you just like pivot between... Backstreet Boys in sync and then back to Backstreet Boys with this album. Yeah. God, what a time to be alive. I know. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> Anything else on this album, Cece, especially since this is a very meaningful album for you? <laughs> I remember I was on family vacation. I don't remember where we were going. I was sitting in the back of the car and this, I had just purchased the CD and so I was listening to it and I was listening to, I think more than that or like some ba- very ballady, you know, like moody song and I remember looking out the window Wherever we were, there was snow. <laughs> and I just remember being like, oh, my life. Oh, they're singing about my life. And I look back now and I'm like, what? Like, you had no problems when you were however old I was in 2000. <laughs> like, none of this. But I just distinctly remember looking out and being like, oh, I wish someone would love me more than that. Or like, whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. I, at the time, I don't think I knew they recorded this while on tour for Millennium. I just was like, oh, cool. There's another album out already. Right. Um, we took all of that for granted for sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the songs. So we start with The Call, and The Call, written and produced by Max Martin and Rami. Iconic duo. It's an up-tempo dance pop song. In my opinion, I, I think this is the greatest Backstreet Boy song of all time. Okay, so this is your call. This is this is this is mine. No pun intended. I did not. I honestly didn't mean to do that. But I love the Matrix inspired video. I love the sound to it. The whole thing. It was like the phone call, the fake phone call in the beginning, with the ringing and the like. You know. Are you serious? (laughs) I was never a fan of the call oh what? you were gonna tell me you didn't know it and i was like no what? i've i've heard it i feel like it's grown on me oh i've god. definitely never seen this music video i can assure you oh my god um i don't know if we're gonna have enough time to watch i it, don't but. think i liked the fake phone call aspect really i think like once i've listened to the song i've liked it but i could never get past like the, the beginning the beginning and i was just like Ugh, i don't want to hear a phone call <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm just crazy <laughs> It's fine. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. Even if it's wrong. Even if it's wrong, yeah. yeah. Anyways, a- in other news, Lizzie will not be joining us for any <laughs> further episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I really need you to talk about this note about Howie. I oh, just <laughs> saw that too. <laughs> yeah, so I also didn't realize this, that the dun, 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 that is Howie's farts <laughs> that... Max Martin took from the recording booth because how he was in the recording booth and he farted really loud fart. Max (laughs) Martin took it and just like put it like auto tuned it basically. I would never recover. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) So that is how his contribution to the call. Everybody. (laughs) I mean, honestly, how his fart is more talented than I am. 
<laughs> but like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, 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 just take that all in. I don't think I remember this music video that much. Oh. It was matrixy. Yeah, it was dark. Well, because okay. they're, yeah. the content of the song is about cheating on oh, yeah, your it's partner. Bad. Yeah, and I feel like maybe that's also why I was not team the call. I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> it Again, it kind of goes to the like liking of the bad boys kind of vibe. Okay, yeah, but the whole purpose of a bad boy is that he's bad to everyone but you. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. A true bad boy would never cheat on you because he is always like... Everyone wants a bad boy who's good only for them. And everyone wants a good girl who's bad only for them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's just a fun song. It's, it is different. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. So would different. you say this is the, Cece, the best Backstreet Boys song of all time? No. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> the next is Shape of My Heart. I really like that song. I really love like that song. song. Love this song so much. And I would say that this is my favorite ballad that they've done. Again, written and produced by Max Martin and co-written by Lisa Miskowski. And Lisa, fun fact, she actually recorded her own version of the song and released it on her 2008 album. It sounds a little bit different. I actually listened to it. It's pretty cool. We'll link it in the show notes. I think I actually like go back and forth between whether or not The Call or Shape of My Heart are my favorite. But I think The Call, best up-tempo. Shape of My Heart, best ballad. Okay. I love during the tour... They made, I think it was Nick, and I forget who he made the heart with, but they like made their arms into a heart. Oh, I think that was with Brian. I think that was with Brian. It was just so cute. They're like, heart. Yeah. I love the harmonies of the song. I think they're awesome. And I I just have a very vivid memory of this on TRL because like the music video is is black and blue. And I just remember the audience like sing along to it. It was just really, it's a really cute moment in my memory. Any other thoughts on the song? No notes. Excellent song. All right. <laughs> Get another boyfriend. I liked this song. Oh, I like Max, it a lot. Max Martin and Rami. So good. AJ live doing this live. Mm-hmm. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So fun. I feel like I definitely started listening to it more after hearing it live. I was yeah. like, oh, it's like they're singing Get Another Boyfriend to the girl in the call. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. I don't mean to just blow your minds, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of people compared this song to It's Gonna Be Me, which I thought was interesting. It does mm. have a very similar feel to it, probably because it's the it's the Max Martin and Rami sound. I like this one better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are <laughs> fighting words. It's okay, we already knew that. <laughs> Next is Shining Star. Shining Star was produced by uh, Ronnie Jerkins, a.k.a. Dark Child, who has produced a ton of other artists like Destiny's Child, Lady Gaga, and Britney Spears. The next is I Promise You With Everything I Am. This was written by Dan Hill, who, for those who don't know, wrote and performed that song, Subtitles When We Touch. Oh, the honesty is too much. Yeah. I have to close my eyes. Yeah. Interesting. I, I prefer Sometimes When We Touch to this song. Yeah. Well, this has become a, a wedding song, common song that people choose for their wedding. Not sometimes when we touch, because that would be really <laughs> awkward, but the, I promise you with everything I am. <laughs> Could you imagine sometimes when we touch being <laughs> first dance? Anyways, moving on. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> the answer to our life, written by all five guys. I actually really like this song. I think it's, it's really It's kind cute. of a dark horse song on this album. I don't think that most people 
enjoy it. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, I I enjoyed this one too. It's interesting though because you can tell how influenced all the guys have gotten with the Swedish songwriters and producers. I was actually surprised that they didn't have the Swedes on this song because it it sounds like a Max Martin production. Yeah. But it's not, which is cool. You can tell they're learning. They're just sponges. <laughs> when they were doing promotion for this album, the Backstreet Boys were all very proud at how involved they were and more involved they were in the songwriting process in this because Millennium Brian really took over a lot of the writing but Kevin was on the song with Brian too but this one all five guys were involved to some capacity including Howie's farts <laughs> yeah seriously in some capacity meaning like <laughs> any sort of the next song is more than that written produced by no, you skipped no, everyone we skipped oh everyone. sorry you go back justice for everyone oh yeah no everyone everyone Written and produced by Christian London and Andreas Carlson. I think they've always started their show ever since the song came out with everyone. Because I think they started the DNA tour with this song too. I think. I could be wrong. I thought it was The Call. There was something that came before that though. I don't know. We were late. So. <laughs> I'm actually kind of eh on this song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like it a lot. It's, it's a good song. It's a good song. And again, I think it's a good like show starter. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's... Now we're formally at more than that. Written and produced by Francis and LaPointe and written by Adam Anders. I love this song. I do too. Interesting thing is it was one of the worst performing Backstreet Boys singles huh. of the core three. Huh. I know. I was surprised by that too. But at the same time, you also have to think about how music was charted at the time. I don't think it had a full reflection of how popular these songs really were because yeah. it was based on, um, based on radio, radio play, plays right? and, and, um, uh, single sales too. And sometimes they didn't formally release the physical copy of the single. It, it was just a little bit complicated. Yeah. And I also feel like they just didn't really factor in a lot of young people and how involved they were in the music too. All right, the next is Time, written by all five guys, produced by Babyface, who is huh. a famous R&B artist and producer. I don't remember that song. Yeah. No. I Time, also don't remember the next one. Look who we are and what we've been through. Man. Oh. <laughs> Clearly not one of my favorites. The next is Not For Me, written by Christian and produced by Christian London. Not For Me is Not For Me. Oh, <laughs> fair. Ooh, funny. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I, I like it. It's, it's not my favorite, though. Yes, I will. Another wedding staple written by... Is it written by AJ? Oh, yeah. Written by AJ. Why did I say McLean and not AJ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, who is McLean? Yeah, so co-written by AJ with Brian Kiroff and Josh Schwartz. And Brian Kiroff and Josh Schwartz wrote my favorite Britney Spears song of all time, Anticipating. I think I like Anticipating better. I don't even know that song, Anticipating. Oh, so good. So good. So okay. good. Sorry. Highly recommend. It's okay. I'll listen. Um, I don't even really remember. Yes, I will. I clearly had like, I listened to the first 10 songs and then, I was like, <laughs> and then, then the last one. I like, how did I fall in love with you? We'll get to I was going to say, this is your all time favorite album. And you're like, nah, I don't uh, know this one. Yeah. <laughs> clearly I just, yeah, I picked my favorite songs on it. And there. Then, yeah. yeah. Um, it's true is another oh, I know Swedish this one. produced song. So written by Kevin with Max Martin and Andreas Carlson produced by here, Meg Nolson and David Kruger. That's a great song. Gotta love Kevin being more involved in the writing. And then How Do I Fall in Love With You is a great song. Andrew Fromm, I have to give you some kudos for that. <laughs> Redemption? Yeah. Howie also wrote that with him as well. 
Yeah, that's a good, I like that song. It is a, a good song. It's a nice ending. It it's, is. It's like the perfect fan. Like it sits well in the, in the album list. I feel like the harmonies on that song are really showcased there too. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the Greatest Hits album, released in 2001. This was a compilation CD of all their greatest hits. It was very controversial for the Backstreet Boys to release the Greatest Hits album at this time because it kind of conflicted with their 10-year anniversary, which was 2003. But the label was really pushing it, and they also pushed Drowning as the single. Drowning is a fantastic song. I love that song. Written by the Swedes, so Rami and Christian. It's a great song, but it's a shame that the Backstreet Boys had to release it in that way where they were kind of forced to release it. Now we're into the hiatus period. So this was an actual hiatus, everybody, in between 2002 and 2004. And like during that time where they not touring, they weren't releasing an album, they were just like existing. They weren't touring, but Nick did pursue a solo career. Well, good for them for getting a break. They deserved it. And um, good for them for keeping their word and coming (laughs) back. One Direction, I'm looking at you. Did they say they were coming back? They said they were taking a hiatus. Yeah. Hiatus, by definition, is a pause. We'll be back. Mm. Hang tight. Well, maybe they're not done yet. I've been hanging for like seven years. (laughs) It's been that long. One Direction went on hiatus in 2015, 2016. Wow. 2015. 2015. All right, now we are at Never Gone, which was released in 2005. This is their first foray into the adult contemporary market. And this is the first album that they actually released with a live band while recording, which is pretty cool. From a critic's perspective, this is actually one of their worst reviewed albums. But I personally think there's a couple of really great songs on here. I do want to put out a disclaimer, though, that there are a few songs that were written by Dr. Luke which we're not going to highlight. Instead, we're going to focus on some other songs on the album. For those who are not aware, Dr. Luke became an infamous person within the music industry due to a very public series of lawsuits against him from Kesha. And Kesha alleged that Dr. Luke sexually, physically, verbally, and emotionally abused her. And what is sad to see is, and crazy in my opinion is that there are still artists that are working with him to this day. So that's that's all that I want to say about that. Please note that Backstreet Boys recorded their songs with Dr. Luke years before the allegations with Kesha. A couple songs that I really like on this album, Incomplete, written by Lindy Robbins and Jess Cates, and written and produced by Dan McCullough. Dan McCullough and Lindy Robbins, you're going to see, are frequent collaborators with the Backstreet Boys outside of Max Martin. Dan McCullough has worked on a ton of Backstreet Boys songs, and he also worked with artists such as J.C. Chazay, Nick Lachey, Mandy Moore, Tiesto, and Leona Lewis. Lindy is a very successful songwriter. She's written some of my favorite songs. I'm a huge Lindy Robbins fan. <laughs> yeah, she, she wrote my favorite J.C. song, You Ruined Me, classic by MKTO. That's a great song. Great I was going to say such a good song. Skyscraper by Demi Lovato. Uh, yep. Want You to Want Me by Jason Derulo, Tonight, Tonight by Hot Shell Ray. Like, also a good one. Half a Heart by One Direction. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I love her music so much. And Incomplete is just part of that incredible songwriting ability that she has. One thing we forgot to mention about Incomplete is Kevin playing the piano during this song. I Still is another great song on the album written and produced by Max and Rami. 
Lose It All, written by Shelley Packin, who wrote Bitch by Meredith Brooks and What mm. a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera. A lot two of people, great songs. Two great songs. A lot of people don't realize that are from the same songwriter. Mm-mm. Yeah, I would not have guessed that, yeah. but <laughs> great songs. <laughs> yeah. Different vibes. Very different vibes, but that just shows you, you know, Shelley's variety of songs yeah. that she's written. Incredible. Incredible. It, it, there's some really great stuff on this album, really great collaborators. One of the things that I do love about, you know, post Black and Blue is they started to work with other people uh, outside of, you know, Max, Martin, Rami, and Christian, like outside of the, the Swedish songwriters and producers. And they really started to take a lot more risks and chances with their sound. So that's why you kind of see a little bit more of a progression in their sound. And you see that really come to light with the DNA album, but we'll get there. (laughs) After Never Gone, that's when Kevin left the group. And we already talked about this. There were a variety of reasons, but there was no ill will towards Kevin. He just decided to take a break and pursue other opportunities. So the next album is Unbreakable. So again, they really expanded their collaborators on this album. And one of those collaborators is J.C. Shazay, which is awesome. And this is actually the first album where there's no Max Martin anywhere, which is very interesting. They kind of took a hiatus with Max Martin on this album, (laughs) if you want to put it that way. I don't know why exactly. Maybe it was to create a different sound. Maybe it was just to work with a lot more people. But they definitely relied a lot more on Lindy Robbins and Dan McCullough on this album. This album actually received pretty positive reviews and it actually opened at number seven on the Billboard 200, which is interesting because you look at the actual number and it sold 81,000 copies in its first week. (laughs) But you also have to realize this is 2007. That's when illegal downloads were kind of at its height. Mm -hmm. So for them to sell 81,000 copies was actually pretty to good. sell, for like to literally make money. Yeah, <laughs> which they probably didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> the first song on this album is incredible. It's just called Intro, but it's an acapella version of Unsuspecting Sunday Afternoon. It was written by all four guys with Dan McCullough, and it's an acapella song. And it's the first acapella song Backstreet Boys have recorded and put on an actual album. They've recorded acapella songs that were released as B-sides. And they've obviously performed acapella, but they've never actually put it on an album. And for it to be the first song on the album was really a very bold move. It's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous song. It's only one minute long, and I just want it to last forever. It's so good. And it's interesting that they chose to record an acapella song without Kevin because Kevin provided the lower notes and rounded the sound out a little bit more. But even without Kevin, it's still an incredible harmony arrangement. It's really cool. Highly recommend. A couple other songs that are really great, Inconsolable, also written, co-written by Lindy Robbins. She wrote half the songs on this album. Something That I Already Know, co-written by David Hodges, who wrote A Thousand Years by Christine Perry, Because of You by Kelly Clarkson. Carity Aguardi also co-wrote it as well former American Idol judge and just one of the most accomplished songwriters. Helpless When She Smiles is also a really great song, co-written by Troy Vargas, who wrote for a lot of country artists, Tim McGraw, Little Big Town, definitely has a country feel to it for that reason. He also wrote No Place on the DNA album, which is that song that they did the, the music video. To oh, oh yeah. Okay. Great song. Great song. Also kind of country inspired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Treat Me Right on that album is a standout. Because of one man, two men, and that is J.C. Chazay and A.J. McLean. <laughs> I personally believe, and it's unconfirmed, that J.C. actually provides backing vocals to the song. It's a, <gasps> yeah, <laughs> the closest thing that we will ever get to, to an NSYNC Backstreet Boys collab. 
AJ and JC co-wrote this and JC produced it along with Neff the Chef, which is an interesting name. But it's a great song. It's a standout track on the album. I really wish that it was put out as a single and it sadly was not. But I think this is a great song. Listen to it on your own time. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) The next album is This Is Us. And this is another album without Kevin. This came out in 2009. And... They worked with some really interesting songwriters and producers again on this album. One to note is Red One, who was everywhere. Red One, (laughs) Convict Gaga. (laughs) Oh, that's what she's saying. Everyone always thinks she's saying Red Wine. Yep, but she's actually like saying the name of. Yep, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, kind of like how like Akon always used to call himself out. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Jason Derulo. Jason (laughs) Derulo. DeLuca Heights. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Red One actually wrote and produced Straight Through My Heart, which is the first song on this album. It's an awesome song. Red One was just everywhere in between the years 2007 to 2010. And then where did he go? I don't know. (laughs) He's plotting his hiatus return. (laughs) (laughs) That was released as a single. It's a great song. Great song. Bigger is the next song written and produced by Max Martin. Another great song. Nice to see that they maintained that relationship with Max Martin. Also released as a single, Brian actually contacted Slime Flu during the filming of the music video. Poor Brian. (laughs) This man. Seriously. Like, you name it, and Brian has experienced it. Poor Brian. Another standout song on She's a Dream, which was written and produced by T-Pain. It's very clear that the T-Pain influence is strong on this song. It's very hip-hop, R&B influenced. The background, AJ does this, like, really fun like who ha <laughs> on the song it's really cool they also use autotune pretty prevalently in the song because it is a t-pain song and um howie and aj kind of have some fun with autotune but just during the bridge it's more for the computer effect obviously we know all of these guys can sing really well so they don't yeah. need it it's just mm-hmm. more for the computer effect undone is the last song on the album co-written by ryan tedder and produced by ryan tedder i believe as well it's fantastic. They actually perform this on their DNA tour. And I think it's probably because Ryan Tedder was involved in this song. For those who don't know, Ryan Tedder is the one of the members of uh, One Republic. One Republic. Yes, thank you. He's an incredible songwriter and producer, too. He, like He's written songs and produced f- so many songs for a variety of different artists I'm not even going to get into. But he's a very accomplished behind-the-scenes person. Undone is a really great song. Super underrated. I'm so glad that they performed that live. The next album is NKOT BSB. It just didn't really make much sense to me because Backstreet Boys fans and New Kids on the Block fans were kind of different eras yeah. for boy bands. It would have ne- made more sense if it was an NSYNC Backstreet Boys. Right. Almost like a you go, I go, like battle of the boy bands yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of tour. Yeah. But this felt like, like I don't know any New Kids on the Block songs. I mean, I do, but that's just because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were two different eras. Their music came out, you know, there's a 10-year difference almost between their their songs. I'm sure there's some overlap with older, you know, Backstreet Boys fans. They were probably New Kids on the Block fans, but I feel like that overlap is a lot smaller than people may realize. But the tour that they did, the NKOT BSB tour, is one of the most profitable tours in history. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually during this time, unfortunately, this is the time period that Brian started having his uh, vocal issues. And they actually performed, I think it was the American Music Awards, and 
it was very apparent that there was something going on with Brian because Brian like looked like he was struggling. It was so sad to see. Mm. I know. Poor Brian. My poor baby Brian. <laughs> I know. I know. So after that, they released In a World Like This, which came out in 2003. Sorry, 2013. What year are we in now? <laughs> <laughs> and um, most of these songs are featured on the Show Me What You're Made Of documentary that came out in 2015. The documentary was filmed in 2012 when they were recording this album. A few things to note about the documentary that I thought was interesting. They talk about the relationship with Lou Pearlman and just how much of a skeeve he was and just terrible business practices all around and also how creepy he was too. They also talked about Howie originally being the lead and I kind of felt really bad for Howie, but at the same time, there's a little bit of egos going on there that I didn't really realize. Howie is giving me a little bit of Liam Payne vibes mm. of like, they were built around me. I was supposed to be the lead. Okay, mm. fine. You're not. Yeah. You're still in a, in like a huge boy band. Yeah. Build a bridge and get over it. Yeah. And Howie had a lovely voice. There's nothing wrong with Howie's voice. But if I was in a group with Brian Littrell, I'd be like, yep, give, yeah. you know, he's a very evident lead. It was sad, though, because there is definitely, you know, the the racial stuff at play too. Mm -hmm. him kind of being like labeled as the shy one, yeah. being more of a backup singer. There was definitely a little bit of that at play, too, that they didn't really talk about in the documentary, but you kind of can read between the lines a little bit with that. You saw Brian's vocal struggles, him working with his, I, I want to say it was like some sort of like physical therapist, like a vocal physical therapist. But yeah, and then this was also Kevin coming back into Kevin. the group too and kind of seeing the dynamic of him being the older brother but back to the album in a world like this it's a solid album it, it's just interesting to listen to all these albums back to back and then realizing how much you really do miss Kevin in the previous two albums he just grounded them so much in a way that you kind of don't realize it until he's gone you know he really had a lot of input on the songs of this album too as shown in the documentary and you can kind of feel like they're back a little bit I don't want to say they go back to their roots but they more firmly solidify themselves in the adult contemporary market with the like more of the Max Martin sound with kind of others in the mix too it was really important for them during this album to write a lot of these songs themselves and that's why you see credits for all five guys on this album Four songs on this album were released as singles, In a World Like This, Permanent Stain, Show Em What You Made Of, and Madeleine. All four songs of those, I think, are the best songs on the album. They're all fantastic. I highly recommend it. In a World Like This, Max Martin, written and produced, along with um, Christian and, and uh, Savin. I forgot to mention Savin Conchetta's credits, but he's one of the top songwriters at the moment, having written songs for artists such as One Direction, Lizzo, Ariana, Britney, Katy Perry, Westlife, The Weeknd, Demi Lovato, Ellie Goulding. Phew, what a career. Permanent Stain, really good. Nick Carter actually co-wrote that. Show Me What You're Made Of, Kevin co-wrote that. The Show Me What You're Made Of music video is interesting because Brian is shirtless in the music video, but not in like a sexual way, in a more of like, this is what I've been through. Mm -hmm. And this, like you see the scars from his open heart surgery and that's actually the first time that he had been shirtless since before he had the open heart surgery in like 98 it's just a really like powerful statement that he made and then at this time he was going through all of his vocal stuff so it was probably just a really like yeah. momentous time for him 
Madeleine is, is a really sweet song. It was actually written by uh, Martin Tarif, who co-wrote James Blunt's You're Beautiful, as well as Miley Cyrus's Rocking Ball. Those are wildly different songs. Very wildly really different. different songs. Yeah. Yeah. But both great, solid pop songs. And now we're finally at DNA, which came out in 2019. And I think of this as their comeback album because this is them charting the way that they used to. They were back in the top 40 radio. There's no Max Martin on this album, which I find very interesting, but they worked with some fantastic songwriters and producers throughout this entire album. It's, it's honestly overwhelming how many songwriters and producers they worked with, but they really worked with the best of the best and they diversified their collaborators. They didn't work with like one or two songwriters throughout the album like they did previously. Like they really diversified it, it, it's just it's a solid album it's a no skips album in my opinion I think it's I honestly think this is their best album that they ever put out Ooh, that's a hot take it's a okay. hot take it's a hot take but I think that they had their best songs in black and blue and in millennium but I think DNA overall structurally as an album it works top to bottom no skips it's great I remember hearing don't go breaking my heart for the first time and I was like Backstreet's back. I kind of think that everything after Black and Blue and before DNA is kind of forgettable, mm. in my opinion. Like, yeah. they're the lost years. You know, yeah. I I don't really count them. But yeah, when I heard Don't Go Breaking My Heart, I was like... And I remember, like, playing it and somebody's like, who is this? I'm like, oh, the Backstreet Boys. They're like, like, like the, the, Backstreet, the Backstreet Boys? Boys? I was like, yeah. They're like, wow, that's a blast from the past. Yeah. Like, I feel like it was, you know, not going back to their roots, but, like, they're back to charting. I was like, oh, Backstreet's back, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. The album debuted at number one, which was the first time in 19 years since Black and Blue. Like, what? See, it, it's like the lost years. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, they did have some great songs, but I mean, yeah, DNA by far is their best album since Black and Blue. And I would even argue their best album ever. So it's kind of interesting that like they really come back on the scene yeah. as like the One Direction time has set. Yeah, their yeah. quiet time was during the Jonas Brothers era, yeah. during the rise of One Direction, and then like those boy bands went to rest, and then the original boy band was like, "We're back, baby!" I, and like now, I feel like you've got like another resurgence of boy bands with, um, well, I mean, they're all on hiatus right now, but like BTS, why don't we? You know, that kind of like new generation. I don't know. So just kind of interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a really interesting take for sure. Yeah, but I also think that. 2019 is just I think enough time has passed where like the nostalgia factor has kicked in yes yeah you know back in the unbreakable time period that was 2007 nostalgia hadn't really hit yet there wasn't enough time passed for people to look back and be like oh yeah I remember quit playing games with my heart yeah like, it, it just mm -hmm. wasn't there just wasn't enough time that passed but yeah it, it's a solid solid album I was very pleasantly surprised by how good this is and like I said I, I cannot emphasize the writers and producers on this album they're all a plus songwriters and producers like they do work with Lindy Robbins again they work with Ryan Tedder again Rabel wrote Don't Go Breaking My Heart who worked with Kesha DNCE Ellie Goulding Louis Tomlinson too we love Louis <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's Andy Grammer's on here yeah Andy Grammer oh. uh, co-wrote Passionate explicit is on here and is it just me 
There's some really great people on here. Troy Troy Vargas, like I said, co-wrote No Place, produced by Stephen Solomon. Savin is on here. A bunch. Yeah, some really, really cool people. Here's what I find interesting, though, is even though it was called the DNA World Tour, I don't feel like they played that many songs from DNA. Oh, they did. You probably just like, didn't realize it. They definitely played songs. I feel like usually when you see an artist on their tour, they play like almost the entire album. Yeah. Maybe one or two they leave off. They definitely played like a few songs from it. Five but from this, five from that. Five. five songs if you look at the set, set yeah. list. They played, they played yeah, 30, 35 or 33 songs. Yeah. And yeah, the set list is huge. So I think they did a really good job of organizing it where they played a lot of the new songs and the old songs interchangeably. Mm-hmm. They packed that set list. They, yeah. They re- they I think you really could have job. fairly called it just the Backstreet Boys tour yeah. instead of like the, the DNA, DNA tour. World tour yeah. Like, yeah. cause there definitely were songs from DNA, but there were also a lot of songs from like their back catalog. Yeah. I feel like there were more back catalog songs than there were DNA songs. There absolutely were. Which is just something interesting like i'm just thinking about you know harry styles who we just saw anna and like i mean he played almost every song off of harry's house except for like two songs (laughs) justice for grape juice (laughs) he definitely played back catalog songs but it was also like very harry's house centric but harry harry also only played like i want to say 20 songs yeah back boys played a lot more songs than harry did and it was a lot longer of a set Mm -hmm. i also think that they're, they're a group so they kind of rely on each other to mm-hmm. you know if they need to take a few minute break kevin and aj did that <laughs> yeah, little yeah, yeah like little strip tees yeah on stage. yeah you know like they benefit from being a group in that way where mm-hmm. you know nick brian and howie can like take a break and then yeah you know they can alternate with little things like that I remember One Direction did that too. And it, again, it's like the benefit of being a group. But I remember one show, Liam just looks around. He, he goes, like, oh, hey guys, right? He looks around. He's like, I am by myself out here. <laughs> for background, this is like one of the only opportunities for us to pee during this oh. entire show. Oh. So he's like, usually somebody will like sneak off and like we know to cover for each other. He's like looking around. He's like, I only have one kidney and I didn't have to pee. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, what? How did Liam wind up by himself out here? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. But yeah, I, I feel like they did a really good job of organizing the back catalog and the current yeah. album for sure. And I also think that the songs on DNA are just so good. You weren't sitting there like, oh, they just they so played chances. As yeah. someone who's never listened to the DNA album, not one song on it, I was not sitting there like, oh, yeah. I don't know this one. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I don't know the song, but it's, really it's a good, good song. Yeah. Here are my favorites from DNA. Like I said, they're all, it's a no skipped album. But definitely Don't Go Breaking My Heart, New Love, Chances, and No Place. No Place is just really sweet. And I like that yeah. they played kind of the music video of those clips of yeah. like their family lives. Really sweet. And like they had the whole moment of we've grown up so much. Now we're all dads and like we have families. Yeah. Like they're 40 um, something yeah. families and kids at home. Yeah. To go on this or tour. taking them with them like yeah. on the road. Yeah. You know, just talking about that evolution and not afraid to lean into that. Yeah. I guess it's kind of funny for a boy band to be a bunch of family men. <laughs> but like, they're like, we're a man band now. <laughs> it's just sweet that they really lean into that. And we're like, times have changed. We've changed, but we're still us at heart. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a really sweet moment. I was back to times change. Boy bands are forever. <laughs> <laughs> it is just, it's really interesting to kind of see the progression of their career and then for them to have a number one album after 19 years of not being on the top 40 yeah. charts yeah. was just really impressive. I mean, they did chart here and there, but it didn't have that impact and it didn't have the number of sales 
like DNA did for sure. What a career though that they've had. It's overwhelming. There, w- listeners, eighteen pages of notes. A- eighteen <laughs> yeah. pages of notes here, and we were able to do this in three hours. Wow, I, I'm actually really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was with breaks to watch certain music videos. Yes, exactly, exactly. So it's hard for a band to be together for so long to have such little breakout. Yeah, Kevin went and did his own thing for a little while. Nick did a mini solo career. Brian has done some stuff. Yeah, but like they've always come back to each other. Yeah. I don't know. They just, they look like they have so much fun. They look like they really enjoy each other. Again, you guys, if this is just a facade, please do not tell me I will be heartbroken. <laughs> um, but like, they just genuinely looked like, Oh, brothers. Like, yeah, They looked like they were having fun. Yeah. yeah. And I think, together. you know, part of that too, is they probably haven't been able to do this for a little bit because of yeah. COVID. I mean, they released this album in 2019 mm-hmm. touring then, in 22. Yeah. That's a, that's a gap. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole tour was supposed to be in 2020. Yeah. So. So like, it's probably just really fun for them to be back on the road. You know, they're probably like, oh, brotherhood. <laughs> Remember, we used to do this. So a couple of things to look forward to in their future. So they their Christmas album comes out in a couple of weeks. I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. And Please tell me they're going to cover All I Want for Christmas is You. <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen the track list yet. I was so. gonna say, do we have a track list for this? I think there is a track list. I don't think I've looked at it though. And then, I'm on it. And then we've got AJ's album that's coming out, and his single "Smoke" really, really good. Didn't he sing that? Oh, at I, the concert. Oh, at the concert. No, he did not. I thought he did. Oh no, I was, I was, I was really hoping that he maybe, would. Maybe, maybe you said that, and that's why. Yeah. Yeah, I said that. I was like, when we saw them. AJ had come out with Smoke, I want to say like a week or two before we saw them. And I was like, it would be really fun if AJ performed Smoke. And then he didn't, which I was really bummed about. I love that song. I think it's so fun. I can't wait for that album. The label has been pushing that album out. I don't know why. I want to say it's because of the Backstreet Boys Christmas album is coming out. And they probably didn't want it to conflict. Yeah. I have terrible news. Which is that they're not covering. (laughs) (laughs) They're not. Would you like a quick rundown of the tracks? Sure. Why not? White Christmas, The Christmas Song, Winter Wonderland, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, Last Christmas, Oh Holy Night. (gasps) No. Is that the bad news? No. It's the bad news. Why is that bad news? Because there is no. Because NSYNC does Oh Holy Night and it's. They do all those other songs too. Yeah, but that's. Oh, I didn't know if there was something specific about a holy night. No, that that well, that's what was that was that the bad no, news? No, my bad news is that they're not covering <laughs> all I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean no InSync's version of Old Holy Night is the best version of Old Holy Night that's ever been sung. Yes. It's the five part harmony arrangement. All right, let's give them a chance. I'm gonna Maybe it's just because I'm an InSync hater, but okay. like <laughs> I'm gonna give them a chance. It's probably a lovely song. It probably is. Mm-hmm. So, Oh Holy Night, This Christmas, Same Old Lang Syne. Is that? Oh, that's oh. a New Year's song. Yeah, that's okay. a song. Yeah. Silent Night, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Christmas in New York, Together, Happy Days, and then the Target Edition bonus tracks, Feliz Navidad. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's Christmas time again. Uh, same Old Lang Syne is a Dan Fogelberg song, I think. Yep. And it's a great song. Feliz Navidad just made me realize this Backstreet Boys have put out a lot of Spanish versions of their songs it's probably kind of a note to both Howie and AJ's ancestries but they were able to corner the South American and Central American market because they were able to you know appeal to 
those fans. So more so than InSync, you would more say. More so than InSync, I would say. InSync did put out a few Spanish songs, but I think Backstreet Boys did more of them. And I think they were bigger in countries like Argentina. Yeah. So it looks like maybe we're getting a couple original songs on this. Yeah, I didn't recognize kind of the last half of that album. Yeah. So I mean, the first several are like, you know, your classic Christmas songs. And you get to together. I don't know what that is. It's written by all five of our gentlemen oh, plus okay. some others. Happy Days, again, all five and some others. And then uh, it's Christmas time again is Nick, Howie, and then some others. So a couple original Christmas songs. We love an original Christmas. I don't know why they didn't cover All I Want for Christmas is You, but it's fine. I'm clearly not bitter. Who would sing that? I don't know. Maybe Brian Nick can hit those notes, can he? I'm just whining now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sad. I love that song so much. I know everyone's like, "Ugh." You just really want like, like that song. You just really want your man to sing that. I just want. Oh. <laughs> Is it too much to ask for? <laughs> Do you think if I asked them very nicely, they would sneak it on before October 14th when it comes out? <laughs> My God, is it October for the day after Taylor Swift's album drops? Ooh, uh, Taylor Swift is the twenty first. Theirs is the fourteenth. Oh, I thought hers was the thirteenth. No, um, that'd be a very Taylor thing to do, though. But it's, it's the twenty first because it's October twenty first. Ten plus two plus one is thirteen. Oh God, she's oh. exhausting. I know. Yeah, <laughs> very exhausting with the thirteen thing. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts on the Backstreet Boys? Backstreet Boys for life, over one in sync all day every day. Mm. But that's just my opinion. That is your opinion. <laughs> that's different than mine, but that's okay. I know. No, I just love I them. I just love the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. yeah. They make me happy. They make me happy too. They make me happy too. It was really fun to see them. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was like very much like a dream. I didn't know yeah. I needed to have fulfilled. <laughs> it's interesting because I, like I saw Tom Petty. It was actually like a week or two before he passed, but it, it's one of those things like, oh, I really wish that I saw Tom Petty, you know, in mm-hmm. the yeah. 80s or 90s. He was still great, but I was like, I wish I would have seen him in his prime. I didn't feel that way about the Backstreet Boys. I was like, I feel no, like they're no. better than ever now. Like, it was just as good seeing them now than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't compare because I did not get to see them 20 years ago. Me either. Yeah, but, none um, of us did. None yeah. of us did. Yeah, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm watching a bunch of washed up people. No. Like, it very much, it was like a packed crowd. It was busy. The other thing too, and I kind of noted this, there were, there were people of all different ages, genders, mm-hmm. yeah. like the, it was pretty diverse. It wasn't just, you know, women around our age. There were all types of people there, which was just really cool. And I feel like Backstreet Boys have just been a bit more legitimized because mm-hmm. of their longevity and, you know, just so much time has passed that they've just become a little bit more legit now, which is really cool. And liking boy bands is cool again. So mm-hmm. we would argue that it never stopped. Nope, never stopped. Um, but, <laughs> you know, for the mainstream people. Yeah. I mean, Drake came out and sang I Want It That Way with all of them. So, I mean, yeah, what's more legit than Drake? <laughs> I think that's a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> all right. Till next time. Till next time. Adios. Thank you so much for listening to This Must Be Pop. Add us on Instagram for more content and to be the first to find out which band will be featured in the next episode at This Must Be Pop Pod. That's This Must Be P-O-P-P-O-D on Instagram. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at This Must Be Pop Podcast at gmail.com.